Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series, where we interview pastors and professors from across the Living Faith Bible Institute. We interview them on all kinds of topics that range from ministry to theology. And today I have the privilege of interviewing a friend of mine uh, who's also the professor or one of the professors in the children and youth ministry class that we offer through LFBI, Jeff Gracier. He's also the pastor at Midtown Baptist Temple over the youth ministry. And uh, we did ministry together for, for several years and he's a very good friend of mine. I can't wait for you to meet him. Welcome, Jeff. Glad you're with us, man. Me too. Um, the very first question I want to ask is, well, how did you get into youth ministry? Tell us that story. Well, in 2010, I started discipleship with Brian, one of the leaders here at Midtown. Mm -hmm. In 2010, I just started coming around um, back from college. Long story short, uh, he was an acquaintance and said, hey, do you want to do discipleship? I said, yeah, that, that's awesome. That's what yeah. I need. And so we started discipleship and we finished discipleship. So then you and I had yes. conversations. We had a friendship that was, I don't know when that started, but um, started tracking with you, kind of talking with you. I remember one conversation we had uh, when Kylie went to Spain. Yeah. And Kylie, my wife, went to Spain and I, I went to you and I don't know how the conversation like came about, but you told me you were like, listen, Jeff, I know she's gone and you're sad, but you just need Jesus to be. This is when you were dating, right? Yeah, we were, were dating. dating at the time. You we weren't were married to Kylie yet. We were engaged, I believe. Okay. And she was on a short term mission. It was a couple months where she was gone and you okay. were like, Jeff, you just need Jesus to be your girlfriend. <laughs> And I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I was, said that. You said that. And it was, I mean, it was bad. Like, you know, yeah, you theologically now, bad. Yeah. But at the time, I was like, man, that's good. I need him to give me more advice. <laughs> and so uh, I kind of, I kind of followed you around, uh, at least in my mind, until 2011 into 2012, we were talking about um, youth ministry. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, I, I would like to be part of that because I want to kind of follow you. And uh, 2012, I committed to a year of youth ministry at your kind of guidance. Hey, give it a year. And so I, I jumped in and haven't turned back. Yeah. So. We had a lot of fun in yeah. youth ministry together. I still miss it a lot, but yeah. we won't get, we won't get into how sad I am about, about, <laughs> about that. But yeah. um, man, so Jeff, I, I've got a bunch of questions for you and probably not a whole lot of time, okay. but um, maybe we can just start by talking about why is youth ministry so strategic to, the Great Commission and really the way that a local church functions, like what what makes it so important and so strategic? Yeah, I find myself or I found myself asking the question, how do youth, how do student age, you know, like middle school and high school people mm -hmm. fit into a local church structure? How do they even fit? What's their role? Yeah. And, you know, I wonder, I have wondered at times, do I just start a little mini student ministry church like are we separate from the local church mm -hmm. do we just do our own thing um how does that combine how do they fit uh and they they have to be part of the body because they yeah. are members of the body and so right. it's strategic because because you go from uh you know small children and then there's that transition period where kids have no idea who they are what they're going to do what their life is going to look like 
before they get to adults where they're fully functioning members mm-hmm. in the local church. So it's strategic because what do you do with those youth? How do they yeah. fit? You know, what do families do with their kids that are still making a transition of making their faith their own? Mm-hmm. So. so so you're saying that in that awkward phase uh, of coming into adulthood, right? Like adolescence into adulthood, all these kids are struggling with their identity. They need a place that they can belong, where they can be taught how to engage with the local church and youth ministries. So let's just get this out, out in the air. Youth ministries, most of them in America, are basically like just pure entertainment. Um, a little Jesus sprinkled in here or there. But, but for the most part, what we see on the landscape of youth ministry is kind of just like it's a good time a good time a good time yeah. and uh and it's big tent and um but there's problems with that and there's a balance that needs to be struck between entertaining the young people making sure that they're having a good time because you mm-hmm. want them to have fun right sure there's mo- some motivation in that but then also biblical teaching mm-hmm. so maybe you can explain to us um, what it looks like to, to strike that balance which I know is hard to do sometimes but how do you how do you do that and how do you see that? Yeah, I think it's uh, the best way I would describe it is aiming for like a trickle down effect, meaning um, one problem with the entertainment youth ministry model that you see is there's a lot of students being a high school teacher in a public school. I talk Mm -hmm. to a lot of a, a wide range of students who are part of youth groups, different kinds of youth groups. And, and I hear a lot. I had multiple youth pastors in my four years of high school. When you were in high school. Yeah. And, yeah. and a lot of these students will say that. Like oh, okay. That oh, they yeah, yeah, had, yeah. It's a revolving door is what you're saying. It's a revolving yeah. door. And I think that's because if, if, I, if my job as a youth pastor is to entertain kids, I'm done. Like, yeah. As a grown man, you can only do that so long before you lose your mind. You get a couple yeah. of years, and then you're like, "All right, this I'm out." Mm-hmm. Um, and so the trickle down effect that that I think I'm describing is you aim for entertainment, sure, for the sake of making it culturally relevant to mm-hmm. students. But the aim is to invest the Word of God into all the souls within the ministry. Well, I think. Investing the word into the counselors mm-hmm. in Bible study setting and on in preaching on Sunday mornings and for us Tuesday nights, but also aiming at the, the counselors and all of the students with the word of God, giving the whole group an investment, mm-hmm. uh, then gives me liberty to not be entertaining, but to envision and empower yeah, the yeah. other people to to bear that load. I think I see what you're saying. So you're saying that one of the reliefs for you is that um, is that you're not the one that's responsible for making things awesome and exciting. Your responsibility is to invest in your leaders, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of youth ministers have a hard time understanding. Like mm-hmm. these people show up to help and they orchestrate activities and they do they have these tasks that they're supposed to do to make sure mm-hmm. that the big event goes off without a hitch. Yeah. But then they lose out on their ability to be a part of the body. And so right. you're a pastor of those counselors too. Is, is that what you're getting at? Yeah. And that's hard because yeah. especially if you're the youth, the youth pastor is usually the young guy. So mm-hmm. for me, you know, following in your footsteps and then, and then inheriting the ministry and ministry team that, that you led, you know, I'm walking into a situation where I don't know my role among these people who 
the majority of which are older than me. Yeah. So it's like, how do I lead these people and invest in these people when they've been in youth ministry longer than I have, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, but seeing that team, and really, I think for any leader, seeing a ministry team in, in a church full of people that aren't necessarily, not all of the counselors in youth ministry are going to be my replacement. Mm-hmm. And for me, going into it, I was, you know, we talk about at Midtown, you know, you want to replace yourself in ministry, you want to train up the next leader to take your spot. And so the whole time I'm thinking, I want to make sure that every single person in this youth ministry team is ready to take over the youth ministry. Which Yeah, it's like sometimes you get the cart before the horse. Yeah. Yeah, which because, it, because your objective is, well, I'm always discipling, which right. means I'm always fi- looking for my replacement. But then you realize you have to you have to create a culture where everyone's being invested in where they're at right Mm -hmm. so instead of trying to to make everyone the pastor just be the pastor yeah yeah, and facilitate people serving and hauling the water together Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it's a functioning you know member of the local body one of the ways you support that work um of investing in the leaders so that the trickle down, as you described it, can happen. Like the leaders investing down into the kids and being successful at that is that you have a Bible study uh, with with your leaders, which I think is a really good and unique idea. And it does fill a gap and a, and a need among those adults who, because they're always with the kids, they're, they could get malnutritioned in, from God's word and, mm-hmm. and in their own development. So tell me about the role of the Bible study. Well, the role of the Bible study kind of changes as the group changes, you know, like when I took over your spot, your mm-hmm. role, um, it, was, it was separated. There was the men's group and there was the women's group. And I think at that time it was evangelical and it was kind of just a pretty standard Bible study, mm-hmm. which was great. And we had a lot of years where that was really profitable for the, right. for the group. And then... It became less evangelical because it seemed that we had more people, more men joining the ministry who didn't have any uh, experience with youth. And so yeah. it, it it was looking like, okay, well, we need to be focused on equipping this yeah, group. Because there was a deficiency. There was like an immaturity among the leaders. You recognize that the Bible study had to be more internal and more... Yeah, 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 yeah. It just seemed like it, that was the way the Lord was leading. Like mm-hmm. we weren't, there weren't people being joined to it. It was like, well, maybe we need, to, yeah, we need to just focus on the people we have. Mm-hmm. So it it has been training focused at times, like kind of like the preach night thing where we will just trade turns preaching to each mm-hmm. other. It was mm-hmm. super awkward, and yeah, nobody wanted to do it, you know. But it was really good and profitable, and um, and then. It has become even, even just accountability time where yeah. we're sometimes studying, sometimes we're praying, sometimes we're just hanging because it's just, you know, two or three guys that are showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas now, the Bible study we've combined, so it's co-ed. All, yeah, it's co-ed. So now it's this whole big adult group because it seems like more people are being added to it, and we just need that time where we're not. It's like parents need time away from their kids. Yeah. It's like a big group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally day get night, that. But not sure. day night, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need uh, a place of escape, a place yeah. of rest where you can reflect. And even, like, I, I assume it's a place where you get to vision cast, too. I mean, you get to have explicit 
and open conversations about where the ministry's at. And there's probably, you know, a dialectic of some sort that. That's the hope. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty new, but that's the hope is that we can have, we can have time where we're envisioning with the ministry, but also whatever the Lord leads. Um, so one of the things I wanted to ask you about, this is much more practical, um, is this, this idea of environment, like, uh, that's conducive for learning. And, uh, you know, I had a conversation in an episode a while back with Chris Best, and we talked about this idea of how the environment for children's ministry has changed over time. You know, at one point they were doing like children's ministry around a cardboard box, which is like, at this point, it's kind of like a legend uh, that we tell around here, but, you know, gathered around a, a box for a table and, you know, it was pretty lowly beginnings Yeah, and how the building has transformed to be more of a conducive learning environment. And I know that you're a teacher. And you know, as a teacher, how important a distraction-free learning environment is. Mm -hmm. But here at church, we like the youth ministry, just like Kaya doesn't, the college unit, doesn't have a real home. Yeah. Like uh, it's always been moved and shifted around into different spaces. And especially when you're trying to, at some level, entertain and get kids excited. How I guess here's my question. How important is a the right learning environment. And then when you don't have it, which maybe other young or youth ministries probably don't either, they're listening to the show, mm -hmm. you know, they might be able to relate to that. When you don't have the environment that you need, uh, what do you do? And uh, how do you make up for that? And how do you even think about it? Yeah. When you walk into my home, the first thing you see as you open the door is the girls' playroom, which is probably not... A great structure. That's not like an average house is not that way. Well, it's... So you have to walk through the playroom to get to kind, the rest of the house. Yeah, well, it's like the playroom is to the left and then the dining room is to the right. I have a kind of compact house. Yeah. But there's a designated space for my girls to play. And yeah. that's because we don't want them to string all their toys all around the house. Sure. Right. That's also one of the two spaces, really, that my wife does, that Kylie does um, lessons with Josie. So she'll teach her and she'll teach her how to write and stuff. Mm -hmm. And where I'm getting at is kids need a space to be able to play where they don't have to worry about, you know, getting involved in other people's stuff. Where the adults aren't giving them the sideway glance. Exactly. You know? yeah, yeah. Right. But then they also need that space where they're comfortable and confident Um they feel safe, you know, to learn and to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. uh, and students need that vulnerable, that vulnerability, that sense of vulnerability where they can be honest and open because youth ministry shouldn't be just an hour of straight preaching to them. Right. Right. It should be shorter devotions. And then there should be time where they can be honest and open in the space. I believe um, it creates that sense of, availability mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. student's mind so when you don't have a space that you know says youth group on it or whatever right which you, you share you share it with an adult classroom you, yeah right, right. Like, yeah I, I think i think part of it is just being flexible you know i share space with mitch and josh the middle school director share space with chris pastor chris and yeah so you're what you're describing is the other fellowships you also use the space as a transition moment yeah, yeah yeah and so there's communication there's flexibility with decorating and with you know making the space what each group wants it it's to kind be of a mod podge it's mm -hmm. kind of yeah it's kind of weird but i think people make an environment as much as 
decorations to and, and probably more, you mm-hmm. know. So how do we create that sense of, you know, this is your space, this is your church, you know, this is your group, this is your family. Mm-hmm. It's it's that first Timothy five where we treat them like younger siblings, like our own children and and we teach them and we treat one another as yeah. brothers and sisters, as parents. And so there's that sense of, you know, this place is if you're doing family you could kind of meet in a cardboard box and right. you'd be able to make it work. Right. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things that I, because rem- we, because we youth ministry has been in a lot of different classrooms and uh, the, the classrooms that I disliked the most were the ones where it was like a lecture oriented space. So like you got, like, I, like there's a couple rooms here at the church where it's like pews and they're, the students were constrained to sitting in those pews. It was like really good if you were going to lecture for an hour, yeah. which is what I did a lot, and uh, didn't I didn't always work, yeah. uh, as we've already pointed out. Um, but so having a flexible space where people can maybe meet in a lecture format, but then also get into small groups. I noticed you you guys do a lot of breakout groups, yeah. uh, which is I think super important. Maybe explain that. Tell us why those breakout groups help facilitate the vulnerability that you're talking about yeah well i i think i think preaching is important mm-hmm. uh, you know that should be clear that yeah we preach in the high school and middle school class every sunday because the word of god is what you know changes right. lives yes students need to interact with the word of god as mm-hmm. much as they hear it and receive it and you know as you're learning the bible for the first time and as you're you know, developing interpersonal relationships with other students who are trying to figure out this walk with Christ. One of the the biggest assets that a student has is another student and, an, and mm. another group of yeah. students. And it's the same thing that's true about adults and the college and young adults. I mean, I think the most healthy, vibrant ministries in our church prove that rule that we need fellowship. And so the students are less mobile, they're less um, able to meet up for Bible studies yeah. and those kinds of things. Because they don't all have cars, you know. Right. And, and yeah. They're limited. Or even have the finances to, you know, yeah. Yeah, so they're more limited. So we have to kind of facilitate some of that on Sundays and Tuesday nights where we hope and we try to structure our time where they can just look at each other mm-hmm. and they can face each other and they can talk to each other. And it's, it's difficult. It's much more difficult than just sitting there and, you know, passively listening to someone preach, but the kids who are willing to engage in that benefit from it. Yeah. How, how important is it for a, uh, a counselor in youth ministry to be okay with um, awkward silence? Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. Mason Wilson here. I'm one of the pastors at Harvest Baptist Church in Iola, and I wanted to share with you how Living Faith Bible Institute has been an invaluable tool for my life and ministry. As a young man, I was zealous for the Lord and for His Word, and so I did what anyone would do when I had questions. I turned to the internet, but oftentimes that would leave me with more questions than answers. And so when, when I found Living Faith Bible Institute, it was a godsend to be able to sit under like-minded pastors and leaders and learn the certainty of the words of truth. Coming from a small church in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, 
our ability to put on a Bible Institute is very limited. And so when we found out that the Living Faith Churches were coming together to form a Bible Institute, we knew this is our opportunity to send our, our budding leaders in for Bible training and for pastoral prep. And finally, I learned so many practical principles for parenting and for marriage that I wouldn't trade for anything. And so for that, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for Living Faith Bible Institute. If that interests you at all, please visit lfbi.org and consider enrolling in classes. How important is it for a, uh, a counselor in youth ministry to be okay with um, awkward silence? It's like crucial, like it should be yeah. on a resume or something. Yeah, it's yeah. critical and it's, it's really hard. I, I feel like the counselor team at Midtown is excellent. I mean, dude, it's like incredible. You know, mm -hmm. I love those people so much and we have grown together in so many ways. And that's one way where I know that we, we have struggled and that we are currently just trying to combat that. You know, we, we want that. All the counselors want that, but it's hard to, to look at someone who's not willing to say anything and just try to lovingly and affirmingly draw anything out of them. Yeah. I mean, that's super difficult. It's a, it's a skill set and it takes time. You have to learn to be like patience comes after, you know, virtue and knowledge and faith. And, and so it's really important for a counselor to be able to gently call a person into conversation about mm -hmm. scripture it might take weeks months years yeah sometimes yeah it's hard they in teaching and education we call it, you know the awkward silence like mm -hmm. if you're in a room and we'll have big classroom discussions and the teachers you know my role is to just let the kids talk it's called a socratic seminar mm -hmm. and even the kids struggle with it i mean mm -hmm. we just naturally struggle when no one wants to fill the space yeah it's really hard to yeah. just let that be and to wait on it. It's mm -hmm. tough. That also makes me think, I'm thinking about your small groups. It makes me think about discipleship because, um, you know, early on when we first uh, started youth ministry, there were like young kids, eighth, ninth, 10th grade who wanted to do discipleship. And so at the time we did, you know, we open up the discipleship material and we would disciple them the way we would disciple an adult. But we ran into the issue of, um, well, you, you talk about giving to a 13-year-old. Um, they've never held a job before. It's almost like a lot of the content that was in, that's in the discipleship material is not necessarily age-appropriate. Um, it calls them to the right things. It calls them to believe the right things, but it's not age-appropriate. And mm -hmm. so you'd get, you'd get an eighth grader kind of checking off the discipleship box, and they'd feel really good about the fact that they've been discipled. Then they're 18, 19 years old, and they've got to re-engage all of that learning again. Mm -hmm. But they think in their mind that they've already done that. Like, I've, yeah. like I've already done that, and yeah. I'm good. So we had to approach discipleship again from an entirely new perspective. Maybe you could talk about the evolution of discipleship, how we perceive discipleship in youth ministry, and and maybe that'll inspire some some people who are listening. So when you and Mitch Medlin, years ago, <clears throat> Mitch Medlin, who's one of the middle school counselors, he's like a staple of youth ministry. Yeah, he's been there since when I first got going 15 years ago or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it seems like before Midtown was even planted, he was one of yeah, the middle school right. counselors. Right. But anyways, when, when you guys started uh, what we call mentorship, 
I think the idea was there's kids who need investment. There's kids who need, you know, physical, practical, spiritual, emotional investment that weren't getting it. And so I think the answer to discipleship, like you said, was was the discipleship material, but then it was also mentorship. And that was kind of where we were leaning and wanting it to go is more of an organic, natural, um, no lessons, just one-on-one investment of, of life. Mm-hmm which was good and it was great for several years. And then as the ministry kind of, the ministry changed because we have more students and there's different counselors. Yeah, it's grown and- Things are just changing. What we saw was, okay, there's a tendency for parents because they saw this now and there's parents who have have children who need that kind of investment from a father. and I believe that, th- that there's still an answer for that kid. But what we were seeing was that's not the answer. We aren't the answer for that kid in student ministry mm-hmm. because that would consume everything that we do. Yeah, you can't just overnight take a kid into your home and become their dad right. or mother or you know, whatever they need. Which there, was, there <clears throat> literally were counselors doing that. Yeah. There were counselors who saw the need for children who didn't have that maternal. And they'd foster. Paternal, and they, yeah. yeah, and they fostered them. Yeah. And that was great. I think that was the Lord doing that. I think that just couldn't be what our our ministry was modeled and structured to do. Yeah. So what we did was we said, okay, the Lord has an answer for that for that situation, and I believe it. I believe it is in the body of Christ for the body to take care of the younger children, mm-hmm. and we can certainly be a part of facilitating and praying and supporting that, but. We've got to train kids up in the Word of God. And so mm-hmm. we started developing some lessons that were basically the principles from the discipleship lessons, but um, formatted to fit where a student was at. Mm-hmm. So those were under construction. Uh, Josh O'Hora wrote, worked really hard, put mm-hmm. a lot of hours into coming up with 10 lessons that are basically just Discovery Bible Method lessons. Yeah, Where now I can invest in a kid who needs it, but I can also... That that widens the range of the kid that I can invest yeah. in. Yeah. So now I could take someone who knows their Bible and they grew up in the church and you know they, their parents have taught them and trained them. They have the foundation to learn at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Or someone who just started coming to church church yeah. for the first time and and they need they need a friend to gently yeah. yeah. And so that those lessons are not about the lessons. Still, it's still about. We're just going to try to support this kid in his walk. Mm-hmm. But now there's some structure to it. Yeah. So. It's good, man. I, I've, it's been really exciting to see because kids are learning. They are uh, educationally, intellectually prepared for the next phase of their ministry mm-hmm. life as they come into adulthood. But at the same time, you know, we've had kids who are growing up in homes that are just, they're not healthy and um, they don't have a way out. Mm-hmm. And ministry is their way out like it's their their place of escape and they need parent-like figures to come in and to lead them and to encourage them and to strengthen them and it's there's so much need uh it's very difficult to know how to how to approach it yeah yeah so one of the things about youth ministry that everybody always talks about is the idea that that between high school and adulthood there's this like cliff there's this like fall off point where a lot of 
kids after they graduate from youth ministry, maybe they love their youth pastor, maybe they had so much fun there, mm -hmm. <clears throat> for many different reasons, don't make the jump in their local church uh, into adult fellowship and building connections and growth at the next level. Maybe mm -hmm. they move away to college, maybe they get a job, maybe they don't know any better and they fall into sin, whatever it might be. What are some of the ways in which, maybe you can describe for people some of the ways in which you and I have partnered to, to help make that transition between youth ministry and college easier? Yeah, I think it goes back to something that you've talked about with, uh, I think it was Sam in one of the earlier episodes where you talked about the importance of the team working together and mm -hmm. getting along and us sharing, you know, the ministry and I trust you and you trust me mm -hmm. and we love each other and we want what's best for each other as well as the students and the people we get to invest in. And from that place where you and I have an understanding, I can I can present to you situations with students and, and trust that whatever your call is, as these kids come into your ministry, that's going to be good. So some of the calls that we kind of have to make or things yeah. we have to work through are, you know, kids, we want, we're trusting that the kids get plugged into a Kaya or college and young adults Bible study halfway through their high school career. Um, so instead of waiting. They're, they're senior year specifically. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So instead of waiting until they get done and then saying, okay, now let's get you connected to the next phase, we kind of, we start that process. We yeah. start that process at the end of their, you know, before the end of their high school career. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another part is we we are aiming mentorship, you know, the youth discipleship. We're aiming for kids who are sophomore or junior year. Um, and then, you know, the hope is that they get through that mentorship process to get what the Lord has for them through their mentor. Maybe they turn around and invest in somebody else. But then they take cost of discipleship during their senior year. Mm -hmm. And so now they're already thinking forward. Yeah, when I when I'm an adult, I will be right. ready to begin the process of this. Right, but it's before they're an adult, so mm -hmm. we're starting that process because you're right. I mean, there's been kids in our ministry. There's kids that we've shared. Um, there's kids that we've seen go from high school and just drop off, and I think some of that's inevitable. Like, or like, I yeah. don't think you can control all that cause. yeah there's two way too many variables you can't just expect every kid yeah. to make it even though that's what we're believing god for. right yeah but i do think that there is something we can do and i think it comes down to making sure that kid knows that this is my home mm -hmm. that there is something that god has for me after i graduate high school and that we'll help them through that transition yeah, you yeah. Know? and one of the ways you, you alluded to this but um when we do mentorship, it, a lot of it is college students mentoring high school students. So in other words, it's not just mentorship with adults in the church, but, but we're, we're strategic in that getting those young adults to invest in the high school students makes a natural you know, uh, draw into the next phase of, of ministry life. And, and even we, you know, we also figured out somewhere along the way that having uh, college and young adults come and, and take a slot ministry slot to mm -hmm. like kind of be um, um, not a full-time but a part-time counselor in the ministry where they just come in maybe once a month or participate in a hangout or do or help with like a retreat or something is another way of building those bonds necessary for for growth and development yeah and I think it's even I think it's mutually 
beneficial. Oh man, yeah, you of know? course. I think it's good for the people who come in to get you know exposure to different ministry and to get the opportunity to invest in you know young people. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely advantageous for our students to see faces. And to know people, and then when they go to that that next step, yeah, it's not like they're walking into a new school. You know, it's right. like they know this is family. Right, these are their people. It feels it already feels safe. They already feel apart. Mm-hmm. These people love me. Yeah, and I can just dig in as an yeah. adult. I can just go for it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So maybe in closing, I mean, we, there's so much we could talk about. Like, especially you, like we both have a history in youth ministry, and like we could probably yeah. do this all day long. Yeah. In fact, we have before. Yeah. So um, this is familiar. It's yeah, like we've they, had this conversation lots oh, of yeah. lots of times before. Every Saturday for at least four, maybe five years. Yeah. You and I would meet and just talk about youth ministry for hours on end. Yeah. Those were good. Those were good times. Yeah. But uh, so maybe in closing, you can describe for us what does success in youth ministry look like. Um, what are what are your hopes and objectives for the young people that come through your ministry? Well, there's kind of stages um, when you go from when you enter sixth grade from you know our children's ministry. At that point, we're really just hoping and praying and working towards them um, recognizing this is home mm-hmm. and that this is going to be home for seven years. Yeah, and that's a, that they're in with us for a long time and. So we want to just welcome them and let them feel apart and be apart. And and then as they go through middle school, we're hoping that through that, they're becoming envisioned for what is this family? What is this group all about? Mm-hmm. Because they get some of that from home, but a lot of them don't. You know, they come in and this may be their first church experience. So we're, we're envisioning, we're teaching, hey, we're going to we're going to follow the Lord and we're going to serve him and we're going to give everything we have. And they're just picking that up. You yeah. Know? They're learning their Bible piece by piece. They're learning who the people are. They're learning to trust the middle school team. Mm-hmm. And then when they get into high school, there's some more of that because they make that first awkward jump from eighth grade to freshman year. And usually the freshmen are just super quiet. Mm-hmm. They're either super quiet or super annoying, you know? Right. But usually they're just kind of timid and just watchful during our time together. And then by sophomore and junior year, we're hoping that they have made that decision in their mind and in their heart that they're going to they're going to haul some water with us and that they're going to be part and they're going to join bible study they're going to start bible studies maybe yeah. you know they're going to which be- is a whole other aspect of your ministry that we haven't got a chance to talk yeah. about is the vision to plant bible studies in yeah. high schools and middle schools and yeah yeah and so some of that's happening and and hopefully that happens you know in that time frame mentorship becomes something that they're considering and trusting God for. Mm -hmm. And then as they go from junior year into senior year, there's usually the big like click. And we see that kids usually have bought in fully with us Mm -hmm. or they haven't. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of just, they're they're with us maybe sometimes, but they're on the sideline. Um, You can feel them making a distinct decision to not participate. Yes. Yep. And, and, and you can really, I can really feel when they decide I'm all in because then they become like one of the counselors Mm -hmm. and by senior year, they're like leading events and they're leading the kids and they're vocal and that's the hope. So they buy in. And then by the time, you know, you know, halfway through their senior year, we're having conversations. I just had this conversation uh, two days ago, like, Hey, 
Now your step is Kaya Bible study, cost of discipleship in February. Let's start making this transition. And by the end of their senior year, it's just awful. I mean, I'm beside myself. Yeah, because they're ready to go, you mean. Because they're ready to go. They've, they've, the hope and the prayer is that they have fully transitioned from youth ministry to Kaya by the time, you know, May 24th or whatever that Sunday yeah, is. Right. When they switch and they're like, yeah, I've been, I've been ready for this. And then I'm like, I mean, it's just awful. Yeah. It hurts. Hard. You know, it, it's yeah. really sad because they become counselors and helpers and man, it's like, they mean a it. lot to you. And then you have to kind of say goodbye. And, yeah. But it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely bittersweet feeling, but man, we've seen so many uh, young people count the cost and, uh, and make the jump. We, you know, we've lost people. Mm -hmm. But man, we've seen way more success stories than we have failures, and 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 um, I'm thankful for your heart, man. Yeah, I'm man. Uh, I am so glad um, that you are in this role. There's just nobody else in our church that that could do it the way that you're doing it, and so I'm, I'm so grateful for you. And um, thank you for encouraging our listeners too. Appreciate course, it. We'll yeah. have to have you on again and, and have more deep conversations about the nuances of some of this yeah. stuff. But that'd be cool. So we want to thank you as well, the listener, for joining us for another episode of The Postscript. We, ho we hope it was edifying and encouraging. And you're listening maybe and, and um, you're thinking to yourself, man, I would, I would really like to learn more about how to be an effective minister in our, in our children or youth ministries at my church. We want to encourage you that the next time that the children and youth ministry class comes around in LFBI, you should really consider enrolling and getting that, that content. It's a 16 week course. And so there's a lot of stuff there, a lot of stuff that these guys, uh, Chris Best and, and Jeff Gracia are teaching. Uh, that you need to get a hold of. And so we want to encourage you to do that. In the meantime, if you go to lfbi.org and visit the, the section of our page under uh, the academics, you'll find our courses and all the courses that we offer from semester to semester. We want to encourage you to check those out and enroll for other classes that would help build you in your knowledge of God's word and your ability to lead in ministry as well. So Please do that. And also, if you if you listen to the show week after week, please um, like the show, uh, share it, subscribe on whatever podcast platform that you prefer, or if you watch on YouTube, uh, follow along. That way you're getting all the content week from week without uh, falling behind. Uh, we're really thankful for you, and we know that we've gotten so much support and so much great feedback. Uh, please continue to help us and help us make the show even better uh, week after week, month after month. We love you. God bless you. See you next week.